Let's get going. Our guests are here. Are you ready? Are I'm ready because, but are you ready? Because you're you're kind of in the firing line tonight. You know what I mean? I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. I wrote okay. down some intros and everything. So for the first time ever, All we're right. gonna play the theme song. Hey hey, what's going on? Rob and Rich are the kings of con. Live from Fartoon Studios and wherever Rich is, it's Kings of Con, the podcast. This week's guest, Kings of Con. Loud and sweet. Okay, and then we're the, for the first time ever, I'm going to do the intros with the people in the room. Yep. So I'm going to admit them, and I'm going to keep them muted, if I can figure that out. Okay. So all of you guys be quiet, because now Rob's going to do his intro, which we've never done. I'm going to let you know something. I know you don't listen to the show. I know you don't watch the videos. Rob always does the intro with people in the waiting room, so he's let you in for this. I don't even yeah. know what he's got going. Yeah, it's, I mean, I mean lower your, your standards. I just wanted to hear your intro, because I wrote it myself. Usually I go on Wikipedia. For you guys, I was like, well, I know these guys. All right, first we have a Filipino-American born. Billy Moran. From, from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, he's the elder statesman of the group, our bass player, Mr. Michael Borja. Hello. And then we have the guitar virtuoso from Fairfield, Connecticut. He brings the sex, he brings the sexy to the group. He's William Moran. New Jersey's favorite son. Uh, finally, we have um, it's a solid piece of North Midwestern, specifically Quad Cities, more specifically East Moline, Illinois. The drummer of the crew, Mr. Stephen Norton. Yes. Oh yeah, sure. Wow, Whitey's. you're eating Whitey's ice cream. Uh, you know why? Because I'm in. Because I'm in Moline. That's right. Point. So uh, how Robbie, did I deal on, with your, you? You have yeah. to. You haven't. I mean, right. It's a so three I, three member band. Come okay, on. Okay. So I. So and I am Rob Benedict, and we. And you should know that if you've gotten this far in the podcast, but. We uh, together make up the band Loud and Sway. We're in a band. We've been in a band since about 1998, and uh, the band is called Loud and Swain, and that's us. Loud and Swain, everybody. This is our first multi-person uh, mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the first time we've had uh, a band. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of firsts. A lot today. of firsts. First time, no Tina, which is scary. We don't um, have the. She usually keeps the wheels on. She also forces everybody to class it up a little bit. Now an yeah. unhinged Borja is going to run amok because yeah. there's no lady right. present. Yeah. What did um, you guys think? How did I do with all your hometowns? Out of the park, man. I mean, how did? Uh, what do you think, Billy? That you bring the sexy to the group? I thought that was really good. I was proud I of that. Like that, it was yeah. Like I was on stage with Rich. Uh, I, yeah. I do. <laughs> I do have to say. So for I, I assume the majority of the people who are listening to our podcast, they're familiar with Loud and Swain. If if they are not, you guys have a long history of recording a lot of albums and have had mu- mu- your music on the radio, you've had your music in TV and film, and, and have a great history of playing a lot of live shows as well. They are also, again, if, you, if you're one of the few who don't know this, they are the anchor band for the Supernatural Convention Circuit and have been yes. doing that for a decade. I mean, is that... Is that is that right? Are we? Are we? Yeah. Aren't we almost ten years yeah. deep on this? Just about. Yeah. Uh, was wasn't the first show twenty eleven? I think. Yeah. Something like that. I, I, that sounds right. Yeah. I think so. Burbank. Yeah. 
All we got to do is carbon date Borja's blonde wig. We'd know exactly when this whole thing started. <laughs> but before that, before that, our very first time we played at a convention, it was in Burbank. And I thought it lo- was LAX. It was LAX. You're right. It was LAX. You, right? Okay. Yeah. And yeah, you, uh, you met and, me? And Rich was there. We met Rich as a band. I, I of course, had already met Rich, but uh, the band officially met Rich. That's uh, where Rich he, went. That's where he went through the autograph line. Yeah, he stood in our <laughs> autograph line so that he could have the chance to say hello. Cost me 40 bucks to introduce myself. And I was, was, was going to say, Blah asked him to, to, to give him the ticket. Yeah, no, it was embarrassing. <laughs> it, it was Sir, not, not embarrassing. Sir, can I see your ticket, please? <laughs> so and then you guys, so I, I'm going to do the whole Genesis. I know there's a lot of stuff to talk about with your new album, and we're going to get there, and we're going to talk about the the, the legit band uh, stuff. But I, to stay in the fun convention world for Hot Sec, uh, which a lot of our audience is a fan of, you guys came on. So it's an interesting uh, Genesis thing that I'm going to give the, the good people listening to the podcast. So Rob and I became buddies on the circuit. Uh immediately recognized we had a you know comedic sensibilities that worked well together and became buddies immediately became buddies and then there came a time when and i knew you guys had a band you played at lax and and it had you know i also knew rob well at that point and had listened to a bunch of your stuff and it there came a time when the creation of the company doing the conventions asked me to host a convention that was the first in of in las vegas nevada and I said, my, my counterpoint was, I will if you let me bring the band. Right. Knowing that Rob fronts the band and immediately I've got a comedy sidekick on stage and I'm not going to die out there. Yeah. Uh, and that's, also, when, that's when I realized I made best friends with a natural born agent. Exactly. Uh, I, there's a lot of things I thought you were going to say something that started with A and I didn't think it was going to be agent. Um, no. I, no, but so, so th- this is the, the side door we had to go in. This is a funny story. Considering the supernatural is second only to Star Trek and maybe has surpassed at some point, but second only to Star Trek in uh, popularity of, of conventions. It's a massive a number, of, circuit, you number know? of conventions. Yeah, it's just a freight train. I mean, it is sustaining yeah. its own conventions for a decade, three to four days long, you know, 20 to 25 cities across the world. Like it's, yeah. it's, a, a it's an event. Per year. Um, a year. And you guys, to get you guys in the doors, the band, which seemed like a no-brainer, we had to basically disguise you. And, I, and, and right. I'm dead serious. So for people who don't remember, and you can Google this, they even have their own Twitter page. We rebranded the, the band as the Elastic Waistband, which was sort of a funny a joke band joke. You, yeah. you had. Well, I, it's the thing is, I had again. Was, it, was, it was the agent. It was. It was. There's that great picture of you in a suit, like yeah. showcasing, like as our manager or whatever. And you're exactly. like, you, know, you can have me, but I'm not coming without the band. Yeah, he's three steps ahead of those guys. He's yeah, like, totally. We can't have the band. We can't have Elvis Wayne. It's like, well, how about the Elastic Waistband? And I remember yeah. Rob and Rob and I, you know, good friends, having a conversation. And I knew Rob. Now I know. I consider us all great friends. At the time, I knew Rob way better. And Rob, and I was like, this is what we got to do to make this work. And he's like, dude, I'm never going to sell this to the guys. Like, we're not a cover band. That's not what we do. And I go, I get it. I know you're not. This is the way in the door. We get in there. We get we get them pregnant with the baby. And then we got to stay around and raise a child. Like, you're going you're gonna to end up just, like, shedding the, the goofy and becoming the band that you are. And by the way, 
worked seamlessly. One of the only plans I've ever had that worked seamlessly. But, Pretty much did, yeah. The only yeah. thing we almost did was we pay, almost painted ourselves in a quarter with this elastic waistband. Because when Jared introduced us one time as the elastic waistband, when we were just being his friends, that's where we're like, uh-oh, this is just backfired. But, and, and even to go deeper down that rabbit hole, I gave you guys the choice. Do you guys remember this? I had three names that you guys could pick from because they had all been the goofy high school names that I jerked around with when I was a kid, when I was in high school. These are the three choices. Nobody remembers this? Oh. I'm seeing blank No, faces. I don't remember this. Three choices were the elastic waistband, <clears throat> Hank Plank, and the two-by-fours. <laughs> I would have gone with that one if I had known. Or, or, or Phil Dill and the Pickles. <laughs> it's better than rat salad. Well, you know, Rob went with what's rat salad? What is that? Re- what is that a reference to? <laughs> that, that was that was Van Halen's name before they were Van Halen. Is that really? Yeah, yeah. Which is also the name of a um, Black Sabbath song. Yes, yes it is. Yes, yes. That's well, where they got it from. Just so you know, just so you guys, again going to the the origin story here. The reason why Rob, I think Rob made the, the final decision on on uh, Elastic Waistband. He's like, I'm the front man. I don't want to be known as Hank Plank or yeah, Phil Dill. Phil Dill. When Jared introduces me, he's like, you know him as God. It's Phil Dill, everybody. <laughs> Jared, that's not my actual. What's so, Tango, right? It was Tango for the... Tango. Well, that's, I want to get to... Everybody's going to tell yeah. me, because okay. I'm not going to tell this story. You guys are okay. all different personas. And I don't know, this part, I didn't do. So uh, I don't know how you guys came up with your own uniform. Well, yes, and did you. It, yeah, it, yes, was, and it was in rehearsal. We did it in rehearsal one night. Okay, yeah. well, explain, explain. So this Bill, is, this so, is an uh, audio, audible medium. Explain Borja, what explain yours. I was Sir Richard Furlong, and I, I think the original character was a, a, a Filipino guy with a horrible, horrible British, British accent. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think we used that persona to um, promote shows, if I remember correctly. We would do these little vignettes where I would introduce the band before a stage it, or we do a promo for a that's right you had yes you had you would yeah you had done a show promo with him he introduced uh, me he uh that. interviewed yes. me he uh, interviewed yes. me it was okay. for some fan site or something yes actually. it was they yes. wanted an interview of me and so we you posed as richard furlong yes and then mike didn't wasn't wasn't your portrayal of the character based on the guy loosely based on the guy who emceed your wedding Remember yes. the crazy guy that emceed your wedding yes. <laughs> with the with the with the with the tux baby blue tuxedo and the and the and the V-neck shirt and the and the white purse. <laughs> yes. So um, it was loosely based based on him. But I just added the the English accent as opposed to the Filipino accent. Yes. Uh, and there's okay. a lot of people uh, in England who would take issue with you calling Richard Furlong's accent. <laughs> english but i know what we're going for i know i know the dartboard you were hurling a dart towards and um so the wig was that wig is already something you had as part of the where did the wig come from mike where did the wig come from that was molly's wig rob you brought it oh yeah all right from from a halloween costume that you yeah 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 i I certainly hope so yeah, Molly. Molly wasn't a wig wearer per per se, but yeah, we had a Halloween drawer with all these wigs. I, I think it might have been mine. I think it actually might have been mine. That yeah. tracks. You know, yeah. I've, I've gone to Comic Con with you. Um, yeah. 
Well, okay, so so that that became your persona, and your and you talked more than any other band member. So yeah. I guess the accent became part of the personality as well, because, right. and also Richard Furlong. I don't know if this is the original Richard Furlong. Somewhere along the line, your character got knighted. <laughs> yeah, because he was Sir, Sir Richard Sir. Furlong. He always was Sir. Yeah. Was okay, Sir. so that was yeah. that was always part of the attraction. Not necessarily by the Queen did I get knighted, but I did. <laughs> Okay. Somebody knighted you. You knelt and somebody tapped you with a sword. And, let's and, just it, was, leave it, at and that. it was night. <laughs> but it was it was somewhere in West Hollywood. And it was night. All right, uh, Norton, tell us about the journey uh, of your character. Uh, well, uh, Hot Carl was born in a, uh, in a sweaty shack behind a, a barn. Um, and that's about all I know. That's yeah. about all he remembers because he was drunk after that. So, yeah. yeah, there were I'll a lot of you, drugs in Carl's life. I remember this yeah. about Hot Carl. Hot Carl being the the uh, character that Stephen Norton assumed as the drummer of Elastic Wasteman. Um, Hot Carl was not committed to wearing his costume. I know Hot Carl would wear the wig sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes he would just not wear yeah. the effing wig and yeah. make a big stink about it, not. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the wig was really itchy. Hot yeah, Carl got hot and really, really itchy. <laughs> hot Carl got hot and cranky. <laughs> it was cranky Carl. <laughs> it was like it, it was like that wig had crabs, just like Hot Carl. Oh, oh yeah. Ew. Yeah. TMI. And then there was some sort of uh, Eastern European uh, member of your family that named you Carl with a K. Carl with a K, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Again, I don't we know. Have where no I... We have no idea where, but and for and, and... go ahead, Norton. I was just going to say the family tree is a little nebulous. It's sort sure, of. Sure. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, up. the thing about this band, the Elastic Waistband, is for some reason, <laughs> these four characters dressed in 70s clothes. Yeah. They were, they, they existed in the 70s. Yeah. That was when they were at their peak, I think. Oh, that was, what was our slogan for the band? The slogan was, you, you, you were, you were voted Las Vegas's fourth best lounge act three years ago. Three. Yeah. <laughs> that was that yeah, was and then the, Adam yeah. and then Adam Malin, uh, who would introduce us, would always kind of get it. It kind of like morphed into the like, math would change, but yeah, into like the ninth best act. 10 In the years second ago. years ago of the yeah, um, Las Vegas's fourth best lounge act three yeah. years ago, which which leads us right over to uh, to Billy Moran. Uh, <laughs> yes, and, sir. And one of the more one of the weirder character names yeah. out out of the group, uh, Billy. Walk us sweet, through it. I think it went from Sweet Johnny High Pockets yeah. to Sweet Johnny Hot Pockets. I think it kind of <laughs> it changed. I don't know why it changed, but it changed. Um, but yeah, I don't know where that came from. I, do you guys remember? I think I came up with High Pockets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think I might have come up with that name, Sweet yeah. Johnny I High Pockets. You, yeah. I think you, I think you were responsible for both Hot Billy Carl. and my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're responsible for both of them. Yeah, right. hot Carl. that makes sense. Yeah, uh, to be fair, I wasn't thrilled with hot Carl. Well, okay. Well, you got isn't, hot that, isn't that something that hot Carl would say? Yeah, it's very hot Carl of you. <laughs> Pretty much. But you know, and also, first of all, Billy, turn yourself up a little bit more if you can. And secondly, Norton, screw you. <laughs> you had hot in your title. Like it's like I didn't like yeah. being sexy, Dave. I'm like, all right, well, you, know, <laughs> you had you had you had Bora over there wearing literally a leisure suit and a blonde wig. He must have been sweating like a rented mule. 
Meanwhile, you're wearing shorts and a t-shirt going, I don't like my name. And 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 now Billy, your outfit. Yeah. You 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 look you out of all the people in the band, you probably had the most you look the most different. As I was having the blonde wig on on Borja, but you had this whole ensemble. You had a whole you had different hair back then. Personally, like you look, right. you look like a different guy. You go back and look at an old picture of the band. And it's like, whoa, that's that's a whole different thing going the, on there. The seventies like little mini fro. Which, yeah. by the way, yeah. is my, it's my favorite Moran. But go ahead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you you how did you get your how did you get your did Rob dress you guys? Like, is that was that part of the deal as well? I think we we went to Amazon and just got a bunch of retro like Austin Powers type suits. But yeah. Rob, you actually owned your suit. I mean, right, I did. The suit that you actually owned. Yeah. And it was a tr- three piece. And as as true form, Rob was sliding across the stage, and snagged a thing sticking up like a screw uh, nail. Or something, yeah. And nailed his knee and ripped oh. the suit. Ripped ripped the suit and just like just tore my leg. I do think we immortalized that suit in Kings of Con because in the pilot episode you oh, wear that, that suit. And then that that uh, headband oh, which right, got lost. Where, where is that headband? It got lost. Yeah, I can't find the headband anymore. It might be. I might actually have it, Robbie. It might be in. What? It might be in a. It might be in a bag. It might be in a bag with the other outfits. Um, because I know I have like I have I looked two everywhere for that thing. It might be in the storage unit. Actually, you didn't look in Steven's sack. Yeah, I hey need you to. Uh, he has. It might be in the storage unit. All right, I'd love to get that back. You got to yeah. look in Steven's unit. You know who made that headband? Paul Fitzgerald. That was a like one year at New Year's. He made everybody got headbands. No, he had like a dinner party, and, and he how did you become Tango? He he painted those. No, my, remember but, mine said Courage. Yeah, oh, courage. courage. Tango was your was your Tango was, your, was my uh, character name, but yeah. my headband said Courage. Here's gotcha. another thing, in all fairness to Steve. I started with a wig as well. well. And yes! Then, and then suddenly, I just, Tango Tango cut his hair. But like you brought Sally the wig back for uh, the pilot of Kings of Khan, I reference again. I, I think, I, I, yes. Billy would, Although in another scene, I don't have it on. Well, would, inconsistent. Explain, you know, it describes much of Kings of Khan. But. <laughs> yeah. Now, go ahead, Mike. Billy, Billy was the only one without a wig. So yeah. He didn't need a wig, baby. He didn't. I just pulled up, I just pulled up an old picture yeah, um, we're gonna put. So we're gonna. So anybody listening to this, if you are uh, watching this video, um, we, you will see a photo of this of this ensemble in front of you. So you'll you'll know what we're talking about. I feel like I feel like the wigs disappeared somewhere around Sunday at about one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. By the time that you know, by the time that third day of the convention hit, we were like we were over it. Oh, yeah. screw you, done. Carl! You tossed it by lunch on Friday. <laughs> I do, I do That's probably that. true. We're gonna call you quitter, Carl. Yeah, I do remember <laughs> that convention really well, though the, the Vegas convention, where like we were talking talking with Adam and the guys at Creation, like, are you guys interested in doing this? And we're like, well, let's let's get home and talk about it, and then you know we'll get you an answer in a week or so. And I remember as we're packing up our gear, I overhear on the on the the PA system, like, are you guys excited to see the elastic waistband for the rest of the year? <laughs> and, and, and look at Norton, I'm like, hey, I guess we're doing this. I guess. Right. Yeah. But here's yeah. the thing, though. I and and I and I do want to um uh, I want to uh, pat you guys in the back for a hot sec. Um, uh, I'm proud of what we did collectively, the five of us on the screen with 
the convention format. I think we reinvented uh, what conventions looked like and felt like for an audience. And I think we uh, uh, scratched that. I know we did that. We blew the doors off what it used to look like and feel like to go to a fan convention. And that, um, as we sit in the middle of COVID having this conversation, the thing I miss the most about conventions is the five of us on stage on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know Saturday night's its own thing, and there's all these great moments, but the combination of kick-ass musicianship and comedy that we sort of aimed for every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and yeah, Thursday was Vegas, um, was, was remarkable. And, mm. I, you know, I think it's, I think it's easy to uh, gloss over that because you guys are actual musicians who have actual records out and do actual shows it's easy, easy to gloss over, over that it's like well, well that, that was the thing we did on the side, side. but it really was it brought uh, a massive entertainment to a massive audience and b it's not easy you're talking about being characters even when you weren't when you were back to being loud and swain and we tossed the outfits now uh we we established you as the band you are the band you're the sound of the convention circuit and, no was, longer. Was, and some fans were like, we missed the, we missed the last waistband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we had great, I know. We, we had, there were a couple of those. As we pick our pride up off the ground. Well, <laughs> they also, there are a couple people still, a couple people still would, would go to Saturday Special and go, I, I missed, missed the, the meet and greet. I'm like, well, you know, I, I, missed, I missed the speed dating Saturday night. Yeah. Where's yeah. Misha with the dog? Yeah, exactly. But I'm saying, like, we, we, we yeah. collectively... Uh, you know, it, it's very symbiotic, our relationship, because, uh, yeah, I, you know, I ended up sort of fronting these things and then Rob co-fronting these things with me. But without the band, it's not the same thing. And it's not just a band. It's like without you guys, without the personalities, we created a banter. We had everybody had a personality. And that's what I'm saying. Even the framework of being the rock stars you guys are, we wove comedy and personality through that experience. We, there would always be a moment in the middle of like a, a serious monologue about you know goofy comedy stuff that it would turn to you didn't know who could be good. obviously Rob's a, you know right in the front there but could throw to Borja you'd be there with a quick answer you know Billy Moran was always fodder for comedy Norton you became famous for your your rim shots with uh, Jensen and Jared like it was like we had a whole thing going that was. Uh, it was effortless, which only can be achieved by enormous talent. Mm -hmm. You guys are very talented guys. And it was always so fun to go on stage knowing that we're going out without a net and we're going to do this. And so I'm curious for you, from you, to hear your point. And Rob, I'm going to have you answer last because you talk all the time on this show. I want to hear these guys. <laughs> your thought on that experience, the bridging of being going from, I'm a rock star, I'm a musician, I'm, I'm, I'm recording and I'm writing and I'm pouring my art into that. And now you're being required or asked to be a different level of artist. You got Rich Spate and Rob Benedict throwing you jokes and you got an audience requesting a different style of energy from you. How did that strike you at first and how did you segue into that and, and, and manage it so, so successfully? I'm gonna start, start with you, Billy. Well, I mean, I would say for starters, even just performing at a convention is just a little 
out of the norm for uh, like what we were before that, right? It just kind of just felt a little different and we all really were excited about it. And I think with that, we were open to whatever experiences we could probably create, you know, from that unique uh, situation. And um, for me, it's like, you know, you said those those early morning uh, openings are probably the highlight of the weekends for me because it's just like, it's a, it's really fun to kind of like see like a bottle of Coke get shaken up and then opened up and then seeing where it goes and who gets the filthiest, you know, and it's, it's never the same from day to day. So, um, it's just always, uh, I, I always love that part because it is, it's, it keeps it fresh. It's never like, you know, we're never like repeating the same routines over and over again. It's like, it's, and it's all, you know, attributed to you, Rich, kind of just going on the fly and, and pulling stuff out of thin air and, and making something out of, uh, out of nothing really. Um, it's just, it's fascinating to watch. And, and then, you know, between you and Rob is kind of Rob feeding off of that and then kind of making something grow on stage in front of you. Um, it's really just exciting from my point of view. Uh, so, you know, is this, if you're, if, if me, you know, when you call to me, if I'm not able to live up to that at least a little bit, then I feel like I'm letting the whole stage down, you know? So it's like, it's, <laughs> I have to figure out something to do. And the only thing I have in my arsenal is my guitar. <laughs> right. yeah. I don't have the wit. I don't have the comedy chops, you know? So I have to figure out something uh, that I could do to kind of at least uh, keep my place on the stage um, filled at least. I will yeah. say though, I, I do want to, I, I do want to correct you on one point. Your comedy chops are actually rock solid. Now you may not be the verbal joke guy, but when I would like do a, a rambling monologue about you trying to infiltrate everybody's marriage and bring it to a screeching halt like you would use the guitar as the comedy punchline like you would see where i was going and use your guitar like uh, an improv actor would use their words uh-huh. or you know like so uh-huh. i always thought that was just remarkable uh-huh. uh, remarkable truly, truly remarkable uh, mike you yes, same sir. same question to you because you got dealt a lot of a lot i, I would say probably between you and Billy, who got the sort of the most dealt to you on stage, you probably got the most because you not only dealt with me and Rob throwing jokes at you. You well, had also, to... Mike, yeah, because Mike's right there. I mean, like when I'm, you know, Mike's always sort of my my go-to when I'm on stage. Right. And we uh, also gave him the other moniker. Let's not let's not skip past Robot Mike. Yeah, like, and he he developed his own personality. Right. So we had this whole Robot Mike persona that you developed yeah. on that on the heels of being served for furlong and you're this beloved figure in the band now you're robot mike so how walk me through your journey how did you find it i, I would have to echo uh billy's remarks uh, for me it, it's it is uh enjoyable to watch you and rob just feed off each other i mean you're, you're comedic geniuses to me, uh, you know, Laurel and Hardy, uh, you know, some of the, some of the great comedic teams, Abbott and Costello. And, and I just marvel at the talent that both of you have to just feed off each other. I mean, you talk about us as musicians and, and, and our talents, but, and I could probably speak for all three of us. We, we sit there in awe and like, how did, how did, Rich come up with that. Where is he pulling all this stuff? And then Rob immediately latches onto it. It's like you have this this telepathic way of yeah. each other when it when it comes to comedy. And what what I love, and I, I think this is at the very beginning, 
I would go to you with like, hey, would you think if it's funny if I if I did this? And you're like, yeah, do it. Just do <laughs> yeah. It. it allowed me to have a little bit of freedom up there on stage to kind of insert myself when I when I thought it would be be funny. Yeah. Right. For the comment or make a noise or whatever whatever it may be. So. Well, that, you know, that's a uh, nice easy to say. Thank you, Mike. That means a lot because I think that you are we always talk totally. like like billy and steve and i talked about it you're like the hidden actor of the group totally you're always up for playing characters i don't know that hidden anymore i'm gonna be honest <laughs> i've been on the stage with the guy for a, I, a decade i love how much billy mike cracks up billy like mike really makes billy laugh and the, um, the two of you together are hilarious i think rich you make it a point to, to break me you're what well, you Say that again, because you cut out a little bit. Say that. Say that statement again. We got to restart him. Hold on, we got to restart Robot Mike. Okay. Yeah, you got to restart me. Uh, you make it a point to break me on stage. I think every time. Well, you're not wrong, because you're my comedy barometer. <laughs> because uh, because if because you guys are also playing. Here's the thing. Rob and I make each other laugh all the time, and typically, even though Rob is the front guy of the band on conventions. He's usually not playing guitar for those opening morning things. So, like, he, he, it becomes a comedy bit where he and I are just doing free form or whatever. And then, but you guys are still trying to play. Like, you're playing, you're playing Inagata De Vida times four. Like, you're just playing for 20 minute stretches and behind whatever we decide. And if we decide, like, hey, it's like a samba, and you're like, oh my God, four. And, you know, so you, like, you guys are just on and you have to, your, your wheels are spinning. So, if I can catch you, while keeping your time and being interesting and knowing you're on stage and knowing you're on camera and still slide one in there that gets you in the ribs, then to me, that's a win. The other thing that's amazing about what the band is doing is they're playing something that they learned about 20 minutes earlier. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> like, we'll be like, okay, so are you going to just stay on that? Like, yeah, yeah, I guess we'll just stay on that. <laughs> you know? So it's pretty amazing. I have a question. When we did the Abe Lincoln thing, and we dress like the founding fathers. Okay, so hold on. I think we have to let's, let's pause one second. Uh, and Norton, I'm getting back to you on this original question. Oh shit! No, 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 no. Finish it with Norton. Norton, finish it. Okay. I'll come back. Go, go to Norton, and then and then we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna paint a pic. I want to paint a picture of words for the people. Okay, like, Norton. Norton, talk talk about your journey, and you know, you you know, for you, I know it was a little bit of a coming first, like us shifting gears and going, all right, this is what we're doing now. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, there was definitely, I think, at least from my end, I think there was some concern <laughs> early on where, I mean, I can remember some of the discussions we had in the green room that first weekend where it, it just sort of felt like, is this what we should be doing? Or is, or is, or, or are we putting our, are we painting ourselves in a corner? But, the, but what, but what worked out so beautifully and so seamlessly about it is that us as a band, for our entire existence, ever since we got back to, you know, since we got together in, in 97 and when Billy joined us in 2006, we've always had a sense of humor about ourselves. Like we've always, and, and look, I think, a, I think a ton of that comes from your background, Rob, as, as an actor and as a, as you know, you were doing stand-up comedy when we were first together. And, and, and so I think we were all in that, in that mindset of like, we want to be witty. We want to be funny. We want to be entertaining. And that's what was most important to us. So it felt like a seamless transition once we decided, okay, this is, this is worth doing. And this is something that's, that's great. And it's a great avenue for us to introduce ourselves to other people. 
so it's like, you know, I, I and and you know, to Rich's point about you know about just how all of us work together as musicians and how you guys work together as comedians, it's like it, it's really the same thing, right? So it's like after 20 years of being together as a band, like we read each other on stage without having to do anything. And you guys do the same thing as comedians up front. Like you say something and you go. And so I think it was really easy for all five of us as a group to, to get together and go, Oh, I see what he's doing here. I hear what he's going. I know where he's going to. Mm -hmm. And even with, even with Jared and Jensen and some of the other actors, you know, I know Sebastian always brought us on for his panels and, and, mm -hmm. you know, the other people that would work us in, you know, we started learning what everybody wanted to do and what they wanted out of the band. And it, so it just made a lot of sense in it. And once you feel like you're engaged in that, then it's something that you really look forward to and you start going, Oh my God, I, I can't wait till I'm out there again. Cause it's like, I know that, I know that you guys are going to tee us up. And we're gonna tee you up, mm -hmm. and it's you know, and it just works back and forth. It's great, really, it's like, really seamlessly. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we get, get to be artists. And okay, do, so yeah. Rob, I'm gonna. My question is to Rob about this, and and then Rob, this this question can filter down. But my question to you, mm -hmm. and I have a different question I'll ask later after the <laughs> Abe Lincoln story. But is that fulfilling? Because uh, you know, I I know that I appreciated all that you guys were doing mu musically up there. And I know that, like, as musicians, you're songwriters, you're creators, you're up there. And is improv music, does that fill a void? Is that interesting at all? Does it check any box, like, for you guys in, in terms of, and this is not, I'm, I'm not trying to paint you in a corner of, like, you saying, no, it doesn't, and then, uh, I'm, I'm genuinely wondering, like, is it. Are you asking, like, does the, the, the improv stuff or the covers not the covers. I'm talking about the improv stuff. When you're on stage with people and the stuff, yeah, it's, and, and look, things it's, it's are flying always, around. I mean, is that is that as a musician? I is mean, that is that fulfilling at all? Yeah, I mean, for those, it, that's really a question for those guys. But it's my perception that it's all just practice. It's us practicing playing together, which is oh, we're continually trying to get better as a band, and that helps, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's us practicing on being entertaining, right? So it's like if you know whether whether it's whether it's grabbing an audience with with humor or whether it's grabbing an audience with something poignant or whether it's grabbing an audience with a, a song or a groove or a beat or a guitar riff or whatever, it, it is learning what makes audiences tick. And it's like so so that that part of it I think definitely made us better as a band over these last ten years. You know, yeah. Yeah. what's what's yeah. been really cool with the the conventions is we're able to kind of shed a little bit of that when it comes time to our show on Saturday night, you know? So it's like, we're able to kind of assemble two different looks of what this band could possibly do. We could be kind of a funny and a, and a contributor to like right. a comedy bit on stage, or we could actually put a, together a two hour show of, you know, just straight up rock with, you know, a little bit of banter in between there. But at the end of the day, it's like, that's what you're seeing is a, is a, is a constructed set list, you know. Yeah, and, and I, I think, think you bring, bring up an interesting point because, because I think I think, and it, I think it took a minute, but I think we were able to structure that. When I say we, just me being the guy going the band. Yep. But I'm not, not in the, the band. band. I'm, I'm saying, saying in terms, in terms of, of. I mean, you're part of the band. You're the you're, well, you know the, part of the band that weekend for sure. I'm, part of the, I'm, I'm a supporting player, player, but I mean that, for that for the show that you guys do on Saturday night. You're still a part. I think we were able to reinvent to not reinvent to uh, reintroduce who you actually were right. to the audience over time and go like, right. okay, you've, you've been, been graced for their, their presence 
for these days, but really, this, this is, is why they're here. here. And mm-hmm. I think eventually that, that became part of the branding of the whole mm-hmm. weekend. You know what I mean? Like, like, but, but it took it took a while. I mean, like again, again we we, we, back, we backed the car into that parking, parking space. space. Yep. Yeah. Knowing, no, but, but this, this is all going. This goes back to the costumes and the, and the, the goofy wigs and all that stuff, which we laugh about. But anybody out there who's a performer, anybody out there who's listening to us, who's a comedian or an actor or a writer of any kind, they you know that you, you know. You take the gig you don't love to get to the gig you want. Right. And I think part of that doing the conventions has become a gig you love, but it was not necessarily a gig you wanted at the out of the gate. You know, it really wasn't that there. we didn't want it. It wasn't that we didn't want it. It's just that I think that there was um, a part. We, we loved having the little concerts, but then when we became a permanent part of it, we just didn't want to lose sight of who we were as a band. Yeah. You know, and truly, at the end of the day, what we believe in and what we are is a, a band that writes their own music and records their own music independently. Right. Okay. And, you know, and, and, and we didn't want to lose sight of, of that. And, and we didn't. I mean, ultimately, what we've learned through this is that, you know, the supposed street cred would be playing at the whiskey and selling your CDs that way. And like, but really, the, ultimately, what you want to be doing is making new fans, being able to play music and 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 having them uh, check out your music, check out the merch that you have, right? And going town to town, I guess, is also works into that. Yeah. Well. And yeah. By, and that's exactly what we're doing. We're making new fans. We're playing our music. We're going town to town. We're spreading the word about the band. And right. we're, we're able to play people our recorded stuff. And it's, yeah, so that, I think that's what we've learned. It's like, oh, wow, this, this is street cred. This is totally it's legit. A, it's totally street cred. And here's the other question I'd ask you about that, Rob, to continue that answer. Is, is it... Is there any part of the journey that becomes more beneficial? Only because you guys, at the heat, you know, at the, at the sorry, the height of the convention circuit, we were playing every other weekend, like w- yeah. you know, four days in a row. You guys were, you know, a gig for you guys on a in in Hollywood is is three hours on a Saturday night. You guys are now playing sixteen hours. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like you you know, wall to wall. Yeah. Some of it's free form, some of it's structured, some of it's acoustic, some There's of it's a lot that's uh, structured. You, you, it's a big, you know, it's a big undertaking when we Well, do no, it. when I say structured, I mean like some of it's songs you're prepared to play, some right, of it's right. is is free form music, right, you're just right. like yeah, making yeah, up yeah, on yeah. the fly. Yeah. Like like does there is there a benefit to that? And I, and I and I you know, I think that Rob and I as actors would go when you do, when you look at it from the from space, you don't necessarily see conventions as being an acting exercise. When you are a part of the uh, supernatural convention circuit, it is because you're actually improving and and bouncing things off each other. For, at least for Rob and myself, does that is that true for you guys? Did you find that you like oh we were actually like fucking writing shit quicker and like I mean was was there any was there any process that came out of this that you go like oh wow this is an unexpected benefit of this experience I'm curious I I think for me uh, I I feel like uh, Steve and I lock a lot better than we we did when we were (laughs) is anybody else seeing him frozen (laughs) we can hear you talking Mike that's what's so amazing (laughs) (laughs) wait I'm going to take a picture this is fantastic (laughs) you're talking frozen I hate when this happens with Andy because you can totally hear him talking but his mouth doesn't move it's the weirdest thing not moving see that is part (laughs) 
Rick was saying it. It was and your it, most. Oh, it's, it's so clear great. And and like emotional answer. But he is not moving. I am not moving. Look, frozen. It's a motion <laughs> motion program broken. Oh, anyway, for most people, this is just an audio podcast. So yeah, continue so, with your answer, my friend. Yeah. No, I, I think um, Norton over the years and. I think you would agree. I think we've gotten tighter as a as a rhythm section, you know, just kind of feeding off each other. <laughs> you lost it. You lost it. Yes. <laughs> well, no. So, 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 I, I love that to you, Stephen. Is that is that the case? I mean, like you can you can refute his claim, but do you feel like you guys have in the process of of having to lay down a rhythm for sixteen hours a weekend? Is it is it working? Yes, absolutely. And yes, I'm, I'm trying to regain my composure after frozen Borja. So no, so look, I think I, I, Mike's absolutely right. I think um, our development as a band, because, you know, look, for the first 10 years of us being a band, we did not spend nearly the amount of time together that we had spent. Hey, he's back. He's back. Um, we didn't spend nearly the amount of time together the first 10 years that we have these past 10 years. Right. And that's, be that's because of the conventions and that's because we've that's that's right. had all these opportunities the, the, the convention has given us opportunities to go play a show on our own in Austin and Boston and New York and Chicago and you know, right. Seattle and San Francisco and all these other places where without the conventions, we wouldn't have had that. So I think our, our growth would have been limited had we not done that. And as a musician, you just want an opportunity to play, right? Right. So yeah, sure. You know, so any chance that you get to do it is is great. And it's like, you know, even my friends who are playing gigs with, you know, who are playing for the Who or who are playing for Alanis Morissette or whatever, like they still go out and play, you know, play other gigs because as a musician, you just want to play. It's like so right. you you just want an opportunity to keep being creative and keep doing what we're doing, and and that's been the great thing about this is that we've been able to do that. And it's been it, it's brought to us in a very organized fashion, so that we we play gigs, we sign autographs, we sell our CDs, we meet fans, and that all happens in one place, organized together for us. And that right. we've brought that to the clubs now. We we have. We have gigs and we organize it so we have a meet and greet first. Right. You know what I mean? We can sign CDs after. We, you know, we, it, it makes for a better show when we do go out in the public. Yeah, right. it's taught us a lot about how to how to be a band and how to how to develop a fan base. Mm -hmm. You know. So, Rob started this whole uh, conversation, this this part of the conversation, talking about how it was important that you guys didn't lose who you were as musicians. You didn't lose the point of being a band, which was not, which, which was to be original artists, which would be the guys who are writing songs and telling stories through music and compiling them in sort of succinct uh, chapters of a book, which we call albums as music fans. So that leads us to the new album. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about the new record. Um, first of all, uh, and I'm gonna start with you, Rob. We've been in we've been in conventions. Now we've been in COVID. We've had a weird time. When did this record come about? How is how is it conceived and how is it executed? Well, it's it's sort of been by happenstance. I mean, um, it's been a struggle this last year to try to you know, you know 
We, we operate best when we can all be in a room together. And we've been able to do that maybe three times this last year. We will have Zooms. I mean, we'll have a stage it's over at my house. And then afterwards, we, we play for a little bit with masks on, you know. Um, and so, but we've also just been recording on our own and sending each other things. And right. uh, there were four new songs we were playing a lot live before we went down. And so they are the first four songs of the album song called Basement of No Hope, song called Letter. Letter. Um, and I guess three songs, then Come Back Kid was the other new one we were playing. And, and so we, you know, and then we have other songs we've been working on. You know, a few songs Billy sent me music and I've written words to and and same with the other guys have sent me music I've written words to. And and so we just putting these songs together and uh, sending demos back and forth. So the first several songs of the album, which we're releasing one a month for the next several months, are songs that we did at our four different, four different places, places, recorded our houses. houses and being mixed by Zach, who you know well. Um, and it's amazing, like, you know, Norton's been playing drums at his house and he'll send it to me and, you know, and we'll, we'll piece it together and, and, you know, Billy, Mike, everybody from their own place. And it's been interesting. It's been interesting for sure. Our hope now is that soon, maybe next month, we'll all get together in the studio and kind of finish the album. And at the end of this, we'll have a we'll have an actual CD to sell by the end of the year. But it, it I think what a, what a great way to not let the existing status of pandemic stop art. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, the first. It's the first time, really. These these first four songs in the album, we were, with the exception maybe of last week, you guys went in a room and did piano together, um, but it's yeah, we haven't been in the same room, so it's been interesting. Like the the hardest was like Norton was doing a drum take, and we were like, not exactly that. He ended up doing like thirty eight drum takes. <laughs> we're like, right. almost there. <laughs> Give me one more. And so yeah, that, but that's, that's but, tricky. But, but this is. Uh, at the same time that it's so challenging because it's not because it really is an art form like acting like anything we all do uh, in this conversation it's something that's done in in live <laughs> format right. like mm -hmm. with people right. where to mike's point earlier where you look at somebody and 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 steven made the same comment you look at somebody and you know oh we're shifting okay i shifted right. like you just you 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 miss that you know, you're right so we're we're doing it differently but what I love about it, what I love about artists in this world of COVID is that art is going to come out. You're going to be an artist. You're going to be the artist that you are. And whatever hurdle appears, artists will find the way around, under, through, whatever to get what they want to do. They will reinvent how they think. You guys will reinvent how you write. You will re reinvent how you record. Uh, quite frankly, Rob and I wouldn't have a podcast, but for the fact there's a COVID. Like, the, the, you just, you're going you're gonna to figure out a way to do the thing that you do, mm -hmm. that you love to do, that, that fills your coffers, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean financially. I mean, like, it fills your soul with, with what you like to do, which, which, which makes you feel like you're contributing to yourself and to the outside world. Mm -hmm. So... Was it as, it's not it's not the same, but did you find it as fulfilling the experience of doing recording in this fashion? I mean, obviously it has challenges. Billy, Billy, have, you come, you. Billy have you come around on it? Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, while it is nice to be able to create still um, with, you know, the, the pandemic looming, um, there, is a, there is a kind of a, a burnout point, you know, where almost mm -hmm. is like if you're, if you're, 
it's like directing a television show through Zoom. You know what I mean? It's like having to do that and, and mm-hmm. then expect the results to come back and then, you know, trying different things. I mean, I feel for Norton and the last song I've, I've been through, I've been in that position myself where it's like, well, I'll try this and try this and try this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'll just sit by myself in complete isolation and I'll try a number of different things thinking that, oh, this one works. And, but it's not what the shared opinion is among the other three. So, right. you know, it's, it, it, it just takes yeah. a lot of time. It was um, really tricky for this last song that's going to be released next month. I mean yeah. the last. I mean the last song we worked on, because um, the other ones, like I said, we were playing live. But this was a brand new one. We've never played it live. Mike sent me this piano piece he's been working on. I wrote lyrics, and then we kind of all had to come up with parts. Like what was what was the drum part? What were the guitars doing? Because it was it was specifically a piano song, but it needed more. It can't just be piano. It needed more, but we weren't quite sure what it was. So we really had to be creative and not get frustrated. And it was a challenge for all of us. But I think ultimately, ultimately we did it. I, I, after this song, I'm like, okay, we can do it. Because what we got now was some really great, really great stuff. We all ended up kind of going back in and re- redoing our parts and right. molded this new thing. It was yeah. a really interesting process. That's exciting. And, and I got to tell you, from, from, a, from a music lover and a music listener, it's exciting. I mean, it's mm-hmm. exciting yeah. to know. I that, think this that's... next song I'm talking about is one of the best songs we've ever done. I honestly and what's the title that... of this uh, this song you're referring it's to? It's called The Company. The, the company. company. Okay, so the company yeah. comes out in next month, being May, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. So it comes out in May, and so and, and letter is who... coming out uh, tomorrow, Norton? Today. Tomorrow. Today. Yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow. on our recording tomorrow, tomorrow, so it'll be out. Yeah. After, so the, right. yeah. So so it's out now. Yeah, the sixteenth of April. Yes. It's April out April sixteenth. So you will have listened to this by the time you listen to this podcast, or you'll go find it on the heels of this podcast. And yeah. I think I I I got to tell you, uh, you know, uh, the frustration that you feel is admirable because I don't do what you guys do. I don't I don't have a, a, you know four artistic brains working on one thing it's really challenging i know it is and 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 i know you guys well and i know that you're you're sticklers for for greatness and i think that's awesome and i think that you know the collective energy you get off each other billy you you sort of put a fine point on it that that is absent in this process but what's but here's the thing when you write a script or act a scene, or write a song, and you're in a certain mood, that moment is captured in that mood. When you play a song live, but you just had a band fight in the back backstage, when you play that song, it has a different vibe than it did the night before when you guys were getting along. Whatever energy you are bringing to this process of recording this music is a time capsule. And that's freaking magic, man. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Because mm-hmm. it is... These songs are meant to be the way they are being recorded because mm-hmm. they are being conceived in the time in which they are being recorded. Mm-hmm. These songs may not have come to you guys. Mike may not have come up with that piano lick, but for the fact that he's at home doing these things and here he is and that's where he found the inspiration. So that the bricks to build this house are being sort of molded in various... By, ne- by necessity. You know, yeah, by necessity, mm-hmm. but they're still going to build a house. It's still mm-hmm. going to exist. It's still going to be a song. And mm-hmm. even if you would go back, I would do that differently now. Well, we could say that about anything, mm-hmm. any painting, any anything, anything you have to walk away from and go. That's now what it was yeah. That, yeah. that exists now as that I yeah. have to stop now for whatever reason, be it time, money, energy or w- yeah. what we're trying to do. Yeah. Then I think there's there's a certain amount of 
there's a certain amount of that that even even uh, your specifically Billy your frustration that I that Rob pointed to and I and I recognize in your answer is uh, cool and I and it's a, I don't I don't mean that it's a diminishing comment I mean like because you want something out of what you're doing because you're trying to choose is that does that make sense to you like is it like do you feel that yeah. same way I mean again you know going back to your point I think you know there's never n- no song is ever really fully complete it's just put on hold right and it, and and, right. it, and you have to kind of release your this release it and just let it go and and let it be what it is right um so you know with that being said it's like it's for for this particular song it was the first one that we actually had to construct alone you know individually alone um yeah and that's to me like do i feel like we can get it and and start doing it yeah absolutely um you know and i'm i'm very appreciative of the fact that like mike and i were able to get together saturday and and because we're both vaccinated now and and our engineers uh vaccinated so we were able to get into a room and i mean just getting pointers from mike in real time i mean it was just it was like such a breath of fresh air like there's there's moments where i was like i was forgetting some of the techniques i was using uh, when when we were playing together, it was weird. Right. Like, I had to, like I had to, like shake the rust off. It was like mm-hmm. this is so strange to mm-hmm. me, you know, because it's like being in, in in solitary, you know, confinement for like a year, and and then seeing the sun for the first time, being like, oh right, right, yeah, we're sunglasses, you know. It was yeah, just, uh, yeah. Mike was, was Mike was sending videos. You guys are sending us videos yeah. and pictures. It's it was pretty it was cool, a joyous thing. Yeah, I, I didn't how much I needed that, not just creatively, but mentally yeah felt like such a release to walk into a studio with a real piano with an engineer with billy there Uh, i wish you norton and i wish you rob were able to be there too as well uh because uh just just to have another band member there yeah yeah hey yeah art this way uh what would it sound like this way so it gave us that creative freedom again that we could just do try different things on the fly and all all be done in like 15 minutes mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that's not to say that you know this approach that we're currently you know doing is is flawed in any way i just think being a band for so long and doing it that one way it's been a real for me personally a real adjustment um just because i know that like some of our 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 favorite songs that we've ever released have been the four of us in a room just going back and forth back and forth back and forth and creating right. this kind of energy yeah of, you know trying to really define what that song should be you know right well it's yeah it's going to be really interesting to see how these songs develop once we start playing them live yeah. because we haven't been in the same room playing them live right and so you know so it's like but but just to be able to record this stuff and to feel like you're making progress towards a goal yeah. has really been a, a lifesaver in terms of just like mental health in terms of just like being able to mentally have something to focus on and a goal that you have to get done because when you're sitting in a pandemic for a year and you go like well i really probably shouldn't be going out to dinner or i shouldn't be you know going out and gathering with people at least we've got something that we're focused on yeah. and you know and that we can and that we can work towards so right. uh, in that respect it's been really great but i think that if i may 
isn't there something like everybody like it's your first attempt at something new, right? So it is what it is. And so then it becomes a, it becomes a frozen testament to that experience. Yeah. And I, I know I keep hammering that home, but we're because because you guys are are creating music in an environment that everyone on the planet can relate with. They can all draw their own parallel, be it their work experience, connecting with family, connecting with friends, whatever they're doing in a COVID world that has come to a screeching halt, and now they're trying to redo it and reconnect with it, be it their own hobbies, passions, their own family or friends, whatever they're doing, their work, and they're doing it in a way that didn't exist uh, before March of 2020. So... Um, you guys are finding a way to connect with your muse, your your with and with each other, in a very distant world. Mm -hmm. But I will say, gentlemen, that your efforts are um, admirable because, as difficult as it is for you guys to connect with each other, you do so. In the process, you write a song, you create that recording, and then once a month you're releasing these recordings, and we, the music fan, the listener get to then connect with you guys and the experience of the song in a vacuum. So it, it's worth the challenge. You know what I mean? Like everything we're doing in these, in these days is worth the effort. It's worth the yeah. frustration because Definitely. the frustration, the frustration is part of everybody's experience. You're sitting there telling this story about recording music and I guarantee you everybody listening can go, I get that. It's not about music, but it's about blah, 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 blah. Whatever, whatever's right. in their life. They're right. living alone in their apartment and they haven't seen their parents in however long or they haven't, yeah, you know, hugged yeah. their grandkids or, you know, they haven't gone to work where they're where they where they really feel the energy flow from themselves in mm -hmm. their own work environment. And now For they're sure. stuck doing it in their own space. So what you're doing artistically is finding end arounds to be sure that you're still the musicians and the storytellers mm. that you're meant to be. And I think it's, I think it's not only admirable, but I think again, to hammer this home, I think the frustration and the challenge is part of the frozen moment that we all live in. This yeah, is what yeah. we, this is where we are and this is what we do. <clears throat> yeah. And we and we, we set this live. challenge for ourselves. We're going to do a single a month for the, for the next several months. And it, and it, it forces us to like getting a single ready every month. So at least we're working on something until we can actually go work on something, which is going to happen right. very soon in the next few months. Like I say, then we go in, we finish the record and then by the end of this year, we'll, we'll have a record. But, um, yeah, no, it's been it's been great. It's been a really great thing. And I think there are artistic things that are happening, like the song, the company, which will come out next month you know the lyrics and the and the what what was going on with me was all happening now here it's right. all very fresh to, you know yeah. so can't wait for people to hear it um we have to go soon we have to we have to we're going to go into the cock block and ask you guys some questions but real quick my question is this when we had to do the Abe Lincoln thing when Rich made us in DC all dressed like the founding fathers whoa fathers, hold was on that, flag to was that Rich you, made our, our, you sorry Rich our, made you he got us the opportunity that we could not pass up he put a gun to our head like uh, yes. uh, Wilkes Booth. Hey, but but my question is, were, were, we, were we doing that as we were also the Elastic Waistband? Yes. yes. Here's the thing yes. I want to tell you about that. That was there's, the second con. That there's was the second no, con we ever did. There's, there's no, no convention that has, for, from, from a band host perspective, perspective that has flopped and fizzled more than, than DC, DC, whatever, whatever it is. is. And I want to see all your idea, Wait, wait, wait. 
Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm taking a hit here. here. But I will, I will, we will never have. But by the way, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I, Rob, thank, thank you for bringing this back up because we're bookending this experience, this, this conversation, conversation um, with, with this. The only thing, the reason why I started this whole conversation, this podcast, with my favorite moments are the moments in the morning, every moment, every morning of a, of a convention, is because that is when we are at our most free, our most, you know, whatever, of of all the weekends, and we just go, or of all the parts of the day, and we go out and do whatever. We it's very free form, it's very loose, it's very we never have a conversation. We're just making ourselves laugh. Whatever. It's, it's definitely care, care, and that's it, Rob. You just nailed it. The, the only goal, goal, the only goal, is we walk off stage laughing. And it, it may, may be laughing because it was funny. It may be laughing because it was a fucking dumpster fire. <laughs> it, 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 it may be because we're going, what was that? Or we were cruising and then suddenly, Borja, what did you do? Like, if, we, if we're not doing that, what are we doing? Right? I remember specifically in my our re- old rehearsal studio, my house, rehearsing the Stars and Stripes or whatever that was that we did at the beginning. Right, the punk rock version of, of, of Hail to the Chief. Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay. But, then I, but then I also remember my, my other big memory from that con is us renting the big drums, the big marching drums, yeah. and us and, and the four of us marching into yes. the convention hall and people yes. looking at us like, what? Is this? Okay, so yeah, yeah, I thank you. One of those flutes, and we yes. walked in. <laughs> they walked in, in like, like the founding fathers. Let me tell you something. Oh God, it was so. They walked. No it's clue. the only time the band walked down the front. The first of all, it was the smallest comedy ever done. I, I, we could all touch the ceiling, and none of us are over five eleven. I mean, like yeah. we would like scrape the cottage cheese off the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. It was a tiny venue. Yeah. If you remember, our green room was the size. What? No, sorry. To say it's the size of a walk-in closet is an insult to walk-in closets. But yeah. it was tiny. Like yeah. if I wanted to squat down, somebody had to stand up. You know what I mean? Uh, it was. It was. Yeah. It was intensely small. Yeah, but we, you guys decided this was not an idea. So Rob, you can't throw me under the bus here. This was, I think it was Borja's idea. Yeah, yeah. I to do a march down. I, I think it was mine actually. Yeah, okay. and by the way, I have to take genius. For that. It was the best we've <laughs> ever done. We'll never achieve more. You guys walked down the middle of the aisle. You're playing the big, you know, uh, revolutionary war, you know, sort of yeah. drum, and and Mike's playing the fife. And Billy's dressed as Abe Lincoln, and I think Rob or somebody's carrying the flag. It was yeah, the most yeah, patriotic yeah. thing we've yeah, ever done. To crickets, to crickets. nothing. Crickets. To oh, people yeah. finding the, to the silent sound of people crickets. leaping through a program <laughs> to, find, to, find, to find their seat. And if you're at this convention and you and you tweet us or tech or, or Patreon message us saying people loved it. You're lying. <laughs> they did not. It I would a... love to see video of it. Is, yeah. is, I, w- I would love to see the video because it's got yeah. it just silent after we It finished. was so great in, in oh. its failure. It was so immense in its failure. Oh, God. It just, and, and, and the hits fun. just kept on coming when, back to Rob's point, we staged, well, I guess we restaged because it already happened, the assassination of Abe Lincoln. And, and we were just backstage... Tasteless. It, t- tasteless. tasteless. First of all, 
Okay, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna set this whole thing up because there's a lot that was great about this. In fact, like, hold on. There was nothing that wasn't great except for audience response. But if if all we did was go for audience response, where would we be? You know what I mean? Right. And now you're talking about like uh, the performers actually want to please a crowd. No. Right? If that, that were the case, Rob and I wouldn't be doing a podcast. <laughs> um, so we we go out there, and, and at some point we're backstage. I'm pretty sure, and I don't want to be wrong about this i think it was misha's idea or it was our idea and we roped misha into it it was billy's, it was billy's idea it was billy's, billy's idea okay. yeah yeah first of all i love the quiet guy who raises his hand on a podcast not helpful billy is an audible format it's like you playing air guitar on a record <laughs> but looking for gaps in the conversation is like watching a freight train go by and looking to yeah well that's the not door a strong suit i get it anyway billy walk us through the genesis of the assassination of Abe Lincoln as recreated by the band Loudon Swain, yeah, I Rich Spade, and Misha exactly. Collins. I just remember Misha was getting ready to go up, and we were backstage, and I just like, what do you think about kind of reenacting um, the assassination of Abe Lincoln? I'll go out there. I'll start, you know, making, you know, like this kind of like spewing out stuff, like, oh, what a wonderful show and things like that. And we'll have Misha come out and just shoot me in the back of the head, you know? Um, and Misha's like, uh, all right. And I can't believe he said yes, first of all, because I was like, okay, now we're doing this, you know? So, so I go, I pull up a chair and I sit in the middle of the stage and I'm kind of like just, you know, talking and blabber mouth. And, and you, <laughs> I, I only seen it from the, the, uh, the, the YouTube video that's out there of, of this, but I remember, you know, Norton was going to do the crack of the gun, right. the snare drum. Right. right. And, and 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 Misha just starts sneaking up behind me, and I'm just talking, 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 and then I hear the smack, and then, <laughs> at the sound of that smack, I just drop like limp on the floor. You all come running. <laughs> Rich, Rich comes shot, shot the president. Shot President Lincoln. Lincoln. <laughs> and we all dragged you off stage. Two crickets. Two crickets. And we're just all like, video of that. There is video. Yeah. Well, that was oh, yeah. the, 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 the two, two funny, funny parts was were. Me, the, the biggest cheer came, came from the assassin. Because we should walk out to kill you. And we're like, yeah! Shoot him in the head! And then it died. He died faster than Abe himself. We went off stage. And Norton, it was your one funny comment in a decade of working with you. You literally took silence to tumbleweeds on stage. You go, too soon? <laughs> I guess the audience thought it was long. Epic. There's video of that somewhere. There's video of that somewhere. Oh, it's so good. Um, Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank uh, you, you guys. You know that we love you all dearly. You're like brothers to us. And I'm, I'm, I, I do consider, you know, Rich talks a lot about, well, the band, the band, the band. And, but I do consider Rich our, the fifth member, member of Loud and Swain. He certainly played bass with us a lot when we did the cover songs and Mike's on the keys. And with Stu Sutcliffe, our, only not our dead. songs as well. Yeah, meets um, who was their manager who died? Norton, the Beatles manager. So, who died? I'm somebody who died. Brian Epstein. Uh, yeah, Brian uh, Epstein. Yeah, Brian yeah, Epstein. Epstein. You're a little yeah. Brian Epstein, really. All right, I can get um, you the guys, but they're going to be dressed as the founding fathers. No, listen here. Nah, that's good stuff. I, um, God bless me. Um, here's what I'm gonna say before we sign off. I want you. I want you guys to say because obviously it'll be on the on the site. But 
where can people find your music? Where can they, obviously Spotify and all the usual suspects, but if they want to buy stuff, you guys got a site, where is, what is it, Robbie? Norton? Uh, visit www.loudandswain.com for our latest release letter, which is out now. Great. And, as soon and as you all our fun merch stuff. And we're on iTunes and we're on the iTunes, right? iTunes, yep. Spotify, yeah. Pandora, Deezer, Amazon. And when you guys start playing live again, when, when the world allows that to happen, uh, people can follow you on Twitter, follow you on Instagram, uh, and all that information will be out there. I, I'm telling you, I am friends with these guys, but I'm not saying this because of that. They put on an unbelievable show. They're phenomenal showmen uh, who write great songs. If you want a heartfelt ballad, they got it in their arsenal. If you want to rock your face off, they got that in their arsenal. They got everything in between. And they're incredibly talented guys. We are lucky to have them on this podcast. We're lucky to have them back when conventions were all the rage and we they were the staple. We're lucky to have them then. And if you are a fan and you've seen them play live on a Saturday night, consider yourself among the fortunate. Gentlemen, there's nothing I miss more than the camaraderie I had with you guys in real time. This has been a blessing. Thank you for doing this. And I look forward to us doing this for real again in three-dimensional space as soon as we possibly can. Truly. Same, Rich. We miss you too, man. Thanks Thank for you, boys. Us, guys, and keep killing it. Yeah. Yep. Thank you, guys. Steve, uh, Billy, Mike, Richard. Thank you all. Loud and Swain. Thank you very much. Can't wait for their new track to hit next month. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. Later. We'll see you soon. It's a king's car. Thank you.